Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, folks. It is the Rocky Boyman Show here on News Radio 700 WLW. It's a pleasure, as always, to be with you. Coming up at uh, 10 o'clock, I've got a storm chaser coming on. Um, I don't know if anyone saw the news uh, here this morning. Uh, three storm chasers down in Texas were actually killed chasing these storms, and um, that was obviously very, very tragic. But I, I think that whole topic in general is, is pretty fascinating. Uh, most of us, when we see storms, we see bad weather coming, we go inside, we go away from the storm, they go into the storm to try to get some information about it, to find out about it, and hopefully uh, get some uh, info that makes us uh, can help make us safe. So that's coming up at uh, 10 o'clock at 9.30. i got a woman from uh, Camp Kesem coming on, which is a group that uh, serves uh, kids whose parents have been lost to cancer. So she's going to come on and talk about that. But uh, first, I want to start off and talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about here in the first segment – I want to talk about risk and I want to talk about loyalty. Okay, so first on the risk side, um, Edmund Sumner, basketball player, guard for uh, XU, came out today and said that uh, he was declared himself eligible for the NBA draft, which is fantastic, except for a lot of folks would point out, first of all, he's just a sophomore. And secondly, he's coming off that devastating knee injury he had in uh, in January of this year. So, you know, why why would you do that? You still have plenty of time to to, to think about it more. You have plenty of time to get healthy. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I I understand all those arguments, but there's a part of me. Maybe it's just today where I I, I respect the risk he's taking. I I respect the fact that he is pushing his chips in the middle and saying, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do. And I know the smart money says stay in school and you know rehab the knee a little bit, stay within the comforts of a great university and this and that, and then maybe next year's a better, a much better opportunity, a much better, uh, makes more sense to do it then to go to the NBA. I don't know, man. There's risk in everything in life, right? Who's not? Who's to say that he doesn't rehab the knee and maybe there's a setback and then there's more setback and now he's here. He is. He's in college. Or he winds up rehabbing the knee, doesn't have a great year. Then he doesn't go in the draft. So you can say he's not going to go high in the draft here. He may not go at all. He may not, if he stays in school, he may not go in the, in, in the NBA draft. So I, I just think there's something admirable about people that, that take big risks in life. Right? I mean, his decision, is it risky? Yes. Is it smart? Probably not. But if it wasn't for risk... You know, if one for people, if it were people that played the odds all the time, we wouldn't have professional athletes. We wouldn't have musicians, people that at an early age say, this is what I'm doing. I'm following this pathway in life. We wouldn't have inventors. We wouldn't have these people that go to college and during the course early in their college careers, they say, you know what? I got this great invention or I got this great business model, something I'd like to follow because I know it's the right thing to do. Well, the smart money says, okay, stay in, get your degree, wait for a little bit better opportunity, wait for when maybe the, the, the market is a little bit better, this and that, and they say, nope, this is what I'm doing. I, I've made my decision. 
I'm, I'm drawing the line in the sand, and I'm going with it. And I think it's kind of cool. Now, is it going to work out for Edmund Summer? I have no idea. But I, I guess I respect the fact, especially with so many people today saying, oh, my God, he's so stupid. Why would he do that? I think it's kind of cool. It, part of it, too, is uh, kind of around this same time, you know, I, I got a friend, okay, and he played – I played with him for two years with the Colts, and then he was also played like a year or two with the, with the Raiders. And, and I was talking with him uh, just last week, and he he wants to start. He's kind of ever since he's gotten out of the NFL, it's, it's been a, a disaster more or less, just with relationships and jobs and family life and drugs, and you know, it's just it's not worked out well for him. So I hadn't talked to him in a while, and he called me up the other day and said, hey, I'm, I'm starting this uh, D1 franchise, which is a training you know, facility franchise um, that's across the country uh, down here in Louisiana. And um, so he wanted some of my advice with this. So I asked him a little bit more about it, and I said, man, you know, it costs a lot of money to buy into those, those franchises, right? And he said, yeah, it's about like half a million dollars. I'm like, what? Where are you going to get this money? He said, well, I I went in, I talked to the NFL, I'm cashing out my 401k, I'm cashing out my, my pension, I'm taking a humongous penalty, I'm taking every single cent I have, and I'm putting in this D1 franchise. Now, on one hand, you go, I'm on the other line, end of the line going, why? Why would you do that? What a, what a tremendous risk. You're putting all your eggs in one basket, and, and, and what if it doesn't work out? And he said, that's the thing. That's going to drive me to succeed is that I have no other options. I'm making the decision. There's no backup plan. There's no fallback plan. There's no playing it safe. There's no, ah, save a little bit for this. So his point was, this is going to force me to either succeed or die, right? Either succeed or basically go on skid row. I don't, and you can say that's crazy, that's stupid, play it safe and keep your money in the market, keep your money in your 401k so it's there when you're, when you're older. But same deal with Edmund, with Edmund Sumner. I kind of admire the fact, there's a, a part of me that really admires the fact that, dude, this guy is throwing everything he has at. And a lot of times, that's what it takes to succeed. Is the, against all odds, you know in your heart what you got to do, despite what the naysayers say despite what the odds may say, despite what the smart money may say, you know in your heart, in your life, what, what's best for you and what it's going to take for you to be your best. And a lot of times it is. It's giving yourself no other options, right? No other options. It's all these great musicians you've seen you know, in high school. They've dropped out of high school and they're going to pursue music. And you go, that's, that's insane. And, of course, for every one person that does that and makes it, there's probably a 1,000 that don't. But man, you got to admire the fact that they, they know what they want. They know what they want in life. And whether if no one else can see the, the plan, no one else can see that this is the right time, they do it and they're pulling the trigger. So look, good for Edmund Sumner, good for my, my buddy that's going to put it all, put the chips in the middle, man. Put the chips in the middle. Don't give yourself another option. I mean, for Edmund Sumner, if he, there's no turning back. Now there's no way, well, let me rethink this. And I got some options now and, you know, I can go back into school, and it, it's a good environment there. i got a school that's going to take care of me, and, you know, I'll be the, the big man on campus for a while. No, he's declared. He's got an agent. It's over. There's no going back to college, and he's got a lot of uphill battles. He's got a knee. He's got a rehab. He's got, in a short amount of time, still prove to an NBA team that he 
has the skills. And there's a lot fewer players that get drafted in the NBA. Was there two rounds? Two rounds in the NBA? A lot fewer players get drafted and, and, and make it on that. But he believes in himself. And if he believes in himself, then good for him, man. 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800-BIG-1. I don't know if anyone out there has an instance in life where where they've maybe against went against the odds and, and bet on themselves, pushed the chips in the middle, and really said, look, I'm going to pursue what I want in life. I'm going to go after what I've always dreamed of. Whether you think the timing's right or not, I'm going for it. Now, in, in a way, I, I've kind of done that with, with, with broadcasting here. Now, when I first got out of the league, I... I threw a bunch of lines out in the water, right? Like a fisherman. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew when I got out of the league is that I didn't want to look backwards. I didn't want to be the guy that was always talking about how great it was playing. And you go out and, oh, my God, remember remember that one game with this? Yeah, and and a lot of players love that. And and it's great and it feels good. But it was my – I was of the opinion that if I did that stuff, I kept looking in the rearview mirror. I'd never see what was out in front of me. I'd never see what the next part of my life was going to be. So I didn't allow myself to do that. In order to keep myself from doing that, threw a lot of lines out in the water. Tried a, a lot of different things. I, you know, dabbled in the, got into politics, you know, did that. Started doing a lot of stuff politically. I um, started a training academy, okay, where I was training kids. I started dabbling in the broadcasting world. I started, you know, a few other business things that uh, threw a bunch out there to see what would hit. And I took a few years to really see what, what was going to stick, right? You know, you throw mud up against the wall, you see what sticks. And in my opinion, I, I knew I liked broadcasting. I knew I had a little bit of a, a decent amount of talent at it, whether, you know, some of you listening to this program may disagree. But so once I figured out I liked it and I had a, at least had a chance in it, I told myself that if I'm going to do this, the only way to do it is to do it every day and to do it all the time and to totally commit to it. So, you know, I wound up getting out of politics. I, Closed down my training facility and all the other you know little business side things I had, and I boom, 100% focused on studying football, studying broadcasting, broadcasting games, doing radio, doing this and that, whatever it had to be, doing calls, and at least to this point, it's you know it's worked out somewhat. But but I don't think had I left myself and I kept leaving myself a bunch of options, I don't know if I'd you know if, if I'd be any good at this. You know, at some point, I think you guys, you can't be afraid of risk in life. And I guess I'm just admiring Edmund Sumner and the fact that he's saying, hell with it, man. I'm going to to do this. I think the timing's right. You may not, but I think the timing's right. And that's it now. It's it's either basketball or, you know, I kind of fumble around for a few years and that's it. But either way, it's uh, it's a decision you made. And who am I or who are any of us? To say that that was a stupid decision. Good for I say, go get it, man. Go tear him up. Go get that knee better. Go tear him up out there, and I hope you see you playing in the league for a long, long time. So, so that's that on my my topic on that. That was uh, on uh, on risk. The other one I want to discuss briefly was loyalty. Now, loyalty is something we don't. I think in this world we live in, we don't see a lot, right? I mean, people will just at the drop of a hat, won't even think twice about sending someone down the river. I mean, relationships suffer because of it. Boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, and the minute they, you know, one of them sees, oh, things aren't quite right or things aren't looking so good or, hey, the you know, my partner did this, boom, see you later. Drop drop anchor and, and, and just and, and leave them. Companies, somebody gets in a little bit of trouble, 
Maybe they did something. Maybe they made a stupid decision. Company drops them like a bad habit, right? Left them out there. There is no loyalty out there. But now today, whether you like it or not, we did see some loyalty, and that was from Mike Brown. Now, I'm not saying what his decision was right to back up Pac-Man Jones and to vouch for him and lay it on the line for him, but that's exactly what he did today. Here's his quote in the paper. I see Adam Jones through my own eyes. I see different facets of his personality. I see him as a person who is energetic, lively, positive for the most part, exceptionally so. I know a little bit about his family. That weighs in my mind. I think back to when he had his little daughter and she was a preemie. He used to drive up from practices at Georgetown every day, and after practice, go look through the glass and see where where they kept the preemie babies in the hospital when the lights were out. And one after another in that group of little preemies, they disappeared. His little girl, however, managed to survive. He goes on to say, uh, and I get to be one that sits in the chair and decide that. So uh, I have chosen to decide that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him a chance. I hope it comes out right for him, for his family, and for us. I know there are critics. I understand. But that is the full answer, and that's all I have to say about it. So first of all, number one, first thing we learned tonight was – Adam Jones is going to be a Cincinnati Bengal next year. Now, of course, the NFL and Roger Goodell are going to have a say in this, and will they suspend him? Will it be a game? Will it be four games? Will it be eight games? Will it be no games? Who knows? But at least from the Bengals' perspective, Adam Jones is going to be a Cincinnati Bengal, barring anything crazy happening here. And, again, I've given you my thoughts on what should happen with Adam Jones. I I want to speak today just more specifically about, again, how – Here's a guy and Mike Brown willing to take all the criticism. You don't see that, man. Nobody wants to take any criticism. No one is going to is going to stick their neck out for anybody in this world anymore. And people, especially employees, especially not seeing it a lot, love loyalty. Right? I mean, you see Drake or Patrick today tweets out after the after Mike Brown came out with this man. That's why I love you, Mike Brown. Respect. Adam Jones tweeted out a whole thing talking about the Bengals family and how he loved it. And again, I'm not speaking about Adam Jones and what he did and if it's justified or not. I'm speaking of the fact that what Mike Brown did today was an absolute rarity. Something you don't you don't you don't see that often. And people wonder, you know, the coach, you know, Rex Ryan is an example, right? Oh my god, people can't see he's a terrible coach and what's he doing? He has no business being a head coach. Meanwhile, his players absolutely love him. Why? Because he will lay it on the line for his players. He will back them up, good, bad, or indifferent, rainy days or sunny days. He's going to back up his guys, and therefore they're going to go to battle for him. They're going to die on the cross for him too. Yeah, I just think it's, it's just an observation. That's my job to do is observe here. 513-749-7000, pound 700, t big one if you'd like to weigh in. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Fairfield and talk to Mark. Mark, you're on the big one. Fire away. Hey Rocky, real quick question for you. I've always been curious about this, so it might be more of a question than a than a statement. But since you've played the game, you've been to the college ranks, you've been to the professional ranks. So, and it seems to happen more so with basketball than any other sport. So, if a athlete is offered a two a four year scholarship to school X Y Z, and um, they decide to go pro their freshman year, junior year, senior year, whatever. Well, not their senior, year, but you know mm-hmm. anything prior to their senior year. Do they have to pay back the school, the, the two years, for example, that they did not finish, so to speak, whether they did get drafted by a, a professional team or not? Or is it just, oh, well, the school's no, out the no. two years? No, the, the, uh, well, I mean, I, I guess the school looks at it and says, 
you know, we're giving you this scholarship. We're paying for your schooling. In return, you're going to give us your services on, in this case, the basketball court. And we're that is hopefully going to make our basketball team succeed, which means both from a notoriety standpoint and a financial standpoint. So I, I, I would, you know, they kind of look at that as an even trade there. And they're, no, they're, they're not going to go back and try to get any more any money and or scholarship money from Edmund Sumner. And also the case is, too, if Edmund Sumner – for instance, goes out and he tries out for the NBA, doesn't make it, and says, oh, I want to go back to school, they're sure as hell not going to give him two years free right. of college either, though. You know? No, that's why, because you mentioned the whole loyalty thing. That's why I was saying, like you mentioned, schools bank on, you know, drafting certain, you know, musical drafting, but, you know, re- recruiting certain players to play for their schools. And, you know, they bank on, hey, we're, we're expecting this guy to be here for four years, but he decides to go pro only after one year, so you figure the schools are kind of getting screwed well, out I'm, of it. No, you're right. I mean, and, and talking about loyalty, you know, there's there is again, that's another example. There's no loyalty in 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 sports. You don't see it much. That's why when Mike Brown comes out and does what he does, you go, wow. Because to your point, at the collegiate level, players will leave early as soon as they think it's beneficial for them. Coaches, obviously, if they think the grass is greener over here or they can get paid more money over right. here or get more you know, airplanes for recruiting or whatever, they'll leave in a second. So that, that, that kind of you know, is, is along with my point. Loyalty is something you don't see much anymore, certainly not in college athletics. Okay. Like I said, I was just curious how – how that kind of worked out because that always kind of bugged me when I saw athletes leave early and kind of let the school hang. No, it, it, it is, and I totally see what you're saying. It's, especially as a fan, you go, "Wait a minute, we're, we're you know we're, we're kind of counting on you being here." And a lot of people could say, "Look, he's." I mean, this of course is not good news for XU and his teammates right. and Chris Mack and everybody. And no, it's it's, it's not at all. It's a in in a way you could call it a, a very selfish decision, but. You know, who's not to say Chris Mack isn't going to worry about Chris Mack when it's time to worry about Chris Mack? You know what I mean? Who's right, who's right. not going to say the athletic director, who's probably all hot pissed about Edmund Sumner leaving, if he got a better opportunity at another school, he's not going to say, boy, I'm going to, I know I should owe you guys something, but hell with that, I'm going to go take this job I've always wanted. It, it's, no. it's just the way the world works. It's, it's nothing great about it. It's just, you know, it's kind of is what it is. All right, man. I appreciate your time. Yep, Thanks absolutely, Mark. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's quickly go to uh, Jim and Amelia. Jim, you're on the big one, fire away. Hey, Rocky, uh, you guys uh, and the guy in the Fairfield, you guys said it all right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I well, mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, the guy doesn't even give a care about his education, and, and he's just bailing. He's just no, bailing. He, 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 do, he, he doesn't, Jim, but I'm of the opinion that you, you don't go to college necessarily for a degree. You go to college to, get, to learn yeah. a profession. All right, but, and, you know, but, and he's he's basketball seems to be the, the best profession for him, at least according to him. So he's going to follow it. Yeah, I just you, you and your last caller, were, were, you guys wrapped it up in a nutshell. The guy's bailing, and he has no loyalty, and he doesn't give a care about his education. And I love your show, Rock. All right, very good, thank you, Jim. No, he 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 doesn't care about his education, but. I, I guess I, I can see ten things wrong with the decision, but I, maybe it's just the night, maybe it's the the the, the tea I'm drinking here, whatever. I just I, I kind of I admire people in life that take risks, especially against when everyone's telling them you shouldn't do this and this is a dumb decision. And but you know what? I'm going to bet on me. And in life, I've learned this. And I think a lot of people listen to this show have. If you bet on yourself and you have the determination and you and you don't leave yourself a bunch of uh, escape routes or, or, or parachutes to bail on, if you bet on yourself and you do all that, you're going to be successful because you have no choice. You have no other choice than to be successful. 
So that's the start of the show here tonight. We're going to do this. We're going to take a break. We've got the bottom of the hour news, and then I'm going to have a guest here coming on at 935. Stick around. We've got a great big show tonight, all the way till midnight. 700 WLW. All right, it's 935 here on the big one, 700 WLW. Drew and Mike, if you're calling about uh, the topic on Edmund Sumner and leaving and all that, uh, stay on the line. But uh, I want to bring on a special guest here now. Look, cancer is something that touches all of us, right? Everybody out there listening to this program knows somebody that has cancer, knows somebody who's been affected by cancer. It's it's all around us. And there's a great group right here in Cincinnati. It's run through UC called Camp Kesem. And what they do is they serve children who have had a, a parent that's been lost to cancer, and they provide programs and a support system as these kids are, are dealing with this tough time in their life. And joining us right now is a co-director of Camp Kesem, and that is Samantha Monahan. Samantha, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. So just describe to the listeners out there, maybe who have never heard of Camp Kesem, what exactly it is and how did it start and what, what's the mission statement here? Okay, so um, Camp Kesem is run by passionate student leaders all around the country. There's actually over 80 chapters now, and we are our first, we're in our first year here at the University of Cincinnati. So, um, so far we've been really successful. Um, basically our goal is to just um, help kids who have been touched by a parent's cancer, whether they're still going through it or if they have lost a parent, like you said. Um, our goal is to send 30 kids uh, this year to camp. So we will be having our first camp, which, like I said, is completely run by students. Um, we have 12 coordinators, and I have myself and our other co-director who isn't able to be here tonight, but um, we actually plan the camp. We fundraise everything for it, so that way these families can send their kids for free. So, so it's a super magical thing. Kesem actually means magic, so that's where the name comes from. There we go. Yeah. I, I learned something new. <laughs> Kesem means magic. So so how, how do um, Samantha do the... I guess the uh, the kids you know that that need help and that their their parents are going through this, like you said, whether they're they're going through treatments which are very rigorous and very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do the the kids get in touch with you, and how do you, how do you get the the groups formulated? I guess. Well, we have our online um, applications for campers to sign up. We actually have about twenty campers signed up so far, um, so we still have spots open. Um, if we post it all over our Facebook page. If you just type in um, Camp Kesem at the University of Cincinnati, it should pop right up. Um, we also have our website. It's just campkesem.org backslash Cincinnati. Um, so they have all the details on camp. It's going to be this August 6th through 11th at Campbell Guard. Um, it's a YMCA camp in Hamilton, Ohio. Okay. And how many years has this been going on? It's been going on since 2000. It started at Stanford, um, and now it is at over 80, like I said, over 80 schools all around the country. But this is just the first time in Cincinnati. Um, previous years, the closest camp had been up in Ohio State. They've been around for about five years and already have, or they're serving over 100 campers with ha- holding two camps every summer. So it gets pretty popular pretty fast since there are so many kids that um, can relate to this mission. And uh, we just hope that we can be as successful as those other chapters. Now, now Samantha, how, how long do the camps last? Is it a day, a week? I mean, what, what, what happens after after the, the, this camp? It's about a week, like I said, the 6th to 11th, so like five or six days. Um, but after the camp, the kids are kind of just a part of us for as long as they wish. Um, we will start having a CIT counselor and training camp for our 16 through 18-year-olds. Because um, right now, camp is only served for 6- to 16-year-olds. Um, but like I said, next year we'll have 
teenagers be able to be counselors in training so that way if they do go to college and that college has um, a camp custom already established, they can get involved in that way or they can start up a new chapter if their college doesn't have one. Um, so that's just a way that we keep growing and keep them connected. And then we'll also have fall and spring reunions for all our families. We have a Facebook page so they can all connect. And then just fun events and fundraisers throughout the year that everyone can go to just so um, we can keep that support year long. Right. Well, that, that to me is what seems important. The, the most important that is this isn't just a one-shot deal. This is continues yeah. to offer support, not just at, you know after the camp and then that week is over with. It's not just, hey, see you later. D- don't call, don't write, right? You guys kind of keep this thing going. And I imagine these kids – once they're at the camp, they develop relationships. They exchange, oh, yeah. you know, text, you know, phone, cell phone numbers, and all <laughs> that. And that that's you know probably helps continue that that support on through. Yeah, the favorite, my favorite part about it is we all have camp names. Um, mine's latte because I like pumpkin spice lattes. But pumpkin anyway, spice yeah. lattes. <laughs> yes, you're like the only one best. that likes those things. <laughs> I love them, <laughs> but yeah, we all me. have camp names. And that's just so, like, at camp, the kids can have that sense of that safety, you know, so they're not giving out their personal information. I mean, obviously, they can connect with kids, um, you know, get their phone numbers, like, be friends throughout the year. But if they want to come to camp and kind of have that safe place to talk about things, if they uh, do want to I see. I up, see. Okay, yeah. If you yeah, want to kind of be off the record and, and really open up a little bit, you don't want people to judge you, you don't want people following yeah. up with you, you have that. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. Our counselors, they all have those names. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And they're all UC students, so it's just, it's a really cool, it's a neat thing to see talking to other directors from other chapters, just hearing how, um, like, how much of an impact that first summer camp is going to have on not only the kids, but on us as well. It's really exciting to look forward to that. Samantha Monahan, co-director of Camp Kessum, join us on the show here tonight. Now, Samantha, how do how do people get involved? First of all, who can get involved? Is it just students? Can, can someone listen to this program who happens to think this is a really cool idea? Can they be a part of it? Of course, we want everyone to be a part of it. Um, but as far as coordinator and counselor positions, they have to be UC students. Um, we actually are starting opening up our interviews for next year's coordinator team um, this weekend. So if any UC student is um, interested, of course, we have an Instagram and Facebook page, just Camp Kessem at the University of Cincinnati. Um, and then as far as anyone else, we actually are looking for two nurses right now to be a part of our pro staff for camp. Um, so that's something that we're really working on. We have those applications open as well, which you can find on our website or Facebook page. But um, other than um, our pro staff right now, just people to help us out with fundraising, 
we are about 60% of our goal has been raised, so we obviously still have a ways to go. And we do have some events coming up that people should definitely find interesting and want to attend, and that is always so so much appreciated by all of us. Yeah, I'm looking at some of those events. Make the Magic, Paint with a Twist, uh, Pure Barre, Kids Yoga. What, what, uh, describe, I guess, some of those events that are coming up and when they, they happen to be going down. Okay, so our, um, our next one is going to be April 8th at noon at Soccer City um, on the west side. We have um, Cincinnati West Pure Bar actually hosting a pop-up event. Um, it's going to be a $10 donation, um, cash donation at the site. So um, just bring your own mat and your water and come on out and join Pure Bar. I actually take classes there every week, and I love it. So it's a really good way to meet all those um, ladies who run Pure Bar and then also um, donate and get a good workout in. Um, and then we mm-hmm. have our painting with a twist, May 15th. That is going to be, if you ever heard of painting with a twist, um, you can bring your own alcohol, bring your own wine, whatever you want. And then um, they kind of um, they guide you into painting whatever pictures we choose for the night. So um, it's thirty five dollars a person. Also, all these events you can find on our Facebook page. And then um, our kids yoga. We're still figuring out the details. It will be at Soccer City as well. Um, just it's going to be like kids helping kids. Another ten dollar donation, um, and we'll have a yoga class. And then our Make the Magic is our biggest event. Typically, um, you don't start um, having these. Make the Magic Gala events until your second year. But since we've been successful so far this year, um, Nationals has let us go ahead and put on this event. Um, so we're going to do it May 21st. It's a Sunday evening from 4 to 7 at the Phoenix downtown. And our ticket sales are going on right now. It's $50 a person or $360 for a table of eight. And that is all over our Facebook page, everywhere. We're trying to promote that so much because not only is it going to be a fun night of learning mm-hmm. about Camp Kessum, um, it's an opportunity to donate and, like I said, get involved for people who don't go to UC or aren't able to be a part of our pro staff. Um, so that's probably our biggest push right now is to get people involved and come to that Make the Magic event. Very good. So if people want more information, go to the Facebook page. I assume they can also go to uh, campkessum.org. Is that correct? Is that where people should go? Yes, campkessum.org slash Cincinnati for all of our details. Very good. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the show here, and hopefully we'll continue to spread this word out here. I'll, I'll get something up on my uh, on my blog page there, and uh, if people want more information, they can go there, and hopefully you guys will uh, get some support, man. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for having me. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Samantha. Uh, Samantha Monahan, co-director, Camp Kesson. Very good program, very cool program. And, again, a lot everyone out there knows someone affected by cancer, and this is a way to help kids out that are dealing with that and have a lot of questions and a lot of you know, the, the parents are absent and they're going through these hard times, a good support staff there. So so definitely check that out. Uh, I, I want to revisit the topic here we were talking uh, that I opened uh, the show with, which was I was talking about Edmund Sumner and and uh, about how I, I know people question the loyalty of that and he should have stayed in school and he's, he's bailing on his team and this and that. I, first of all, I, I think a lot of people that are being critical, if you were in that situation – you would do the same thing Edmund Sumner's doing. You got a dream, you got one shot at that dream, and there's no time to play around. You got to fire, you got to go, and you got to go after it. And the the other thing, too, is, and I know this doesn't so much relate to Edmund Sumner because it's not really an issue of him getting a degree. It's should he stay an extra year, get healthy, and come back. But in terms of the, the whole argument of all oh, these guys should stay in school and get their degrees, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, 
But I know a lot of people, not sports players, I know a lot of people out there, a lot of friends walking around with degrees, with very expensive pieces of paper that are getting them, getting absolutely nothing out of them. So if you've got an opportunity in college to follow a career path, someone that's going to be a career for you and be a way you can make money not only for yourself but for an, for a family, go for it. You don't, you don't go, in my opinion, you don't go to college for a degree. You go to college to figure out a profession while you're there. And I know we've been taught for the longest time it's about getting that degree and getting that piece of paper and getting that thing you can hang up on your wall, but I just think those times are different. I mean, the, the days it used to be you got a degree, there were jobs, there were you know uh, these these headhunter people that were they're outside of, of the, the the door of your classroom outside of the, the 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 building of where your graduation was begging you to come work for their company right there there's all time you had your choice of who you could go to now there's nobody there people walk around for years and years and years with a tremendous amount of debt and a, and a degree but no job so times are different it's not necessarily about the degree it's it's finding that profession and once you find it, then go for it, baby, and don't look back. Let's go to the phone. Let's go to Portsmouth and talk to Drew. Drew, you're on the big one. Fire away. Hey, yeah. Uh, I was just calling on the loyalty topic with Mike Brown. I was thinking that, um, you know, in the long aspect, I feel like maybe loyalty is what's uh, hurting us in Cincinnati. Uh, maybe. Um, because I'm thinking, you know, winning in football team comes to mind. I'm thinking about the Patriots. And I feel like they're always, uh, they always get these guys, get there for the contract. And then when they're it's out, they're done. They're gone. They let them go. They walk. Um, uh, oh yeah. I mean, to your point, the, the Patriots have let go of a lot of great players that that if they've just let walk, see you, bye bye. We're not, you know. I mean, you go back to Randy Moss. You go back. I mean, you can name every year. There's like key players of their team. Oh, surely they're going to bring them back. Wes Welker. He's an important. Nope. Too expensive. Too old. Bye bye. And, and I think you're right. The Bengals. You could make the argument that Mike Brown is loyal to a fault, and I wasn't really making an observation on that. I was making the observation of you don't see loyalty a lot. Now, maybe to your point, that loyalty isn't good. Maybe maybe he's too loyal to Marvin Lewis where he shouldn't be, or maybe he's too loyal to, in this case, Adam Jones, and he shouldn't be. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something you, either way you, you don't see it a lot. I, I just It just kind of struck me, that's all. Yeah, I agree. I just was thinking, you know, I, you know, I think not to jump sports here, but um, and I might be wrong with my facts, but I feel like the Cardinals are kind of like that aspect too. You know, they bring guys up in the farm system and then they go off to other teams as well. It just seems like you see like the powerhouse is not just just being unloyal. And I'm not saying being loyal is a bad thing. It just seems like maybe in the sports aspect of signing those big contracts that sometimes we, we see Cincinnati do with like Votto and you know Homer Bailey. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're making a good case. I mean, with the Cardinals, remember Albert Pujols? See that? Oh my God, how can you let that guy? How can you let him go? Well, he goes to right. the Angels and signs an unbelievable contract. And guess what? The Cardinals were right. fine after he left. You know, they they and you know Pujols yeah. wasn't, and it was a great move because Pujols wasn't, wasn't putting up near the numbers. Exactly. The exactly. No, you're absolutely right, Drew. We got to run, buddy. But thank you for the call. I appreciate the time. Yep, absolutely. So let's do this. We're going to have the uh, the top of the hour news. And then we come back. Um, I talked about this earlier, but we're going to have a storm chaser on. Okay? I, I think it's a fascinating uh, field that these people are in. And there was a tragedy that happened uh, just this morning with a couple of storm chasers. But I, I just thought it was a good opportunity to learn a little bit more about what they do and how they go about it. I got a guy by the name of Jason Nichols. He's a chief meteorologist up in Cleveland. At one point in his life, he was a storm chaser. He's going to tell us about it here next afternoon. Stick around. 700 WLW.
The Rocky Boyman Show rolls on here on 700 WLW, hour number two. Um, I saw this story this morning, very sad story. Uh, three storm chasers uh, down in uh, Spur, Texas uh, were chasing a storm, happened to get into an automobile accident, and, and three of those uh, men, they uh, they perished in that accident. But I, I thought that the whole concept, that whole field of storm chasing is very fascinating, something that I don't think a lot of us know about. Um, but, but when you think about what they do, when the rest of us are, are trying to run away from a storm or trying to get out of harm's way of a storm, these folks are actually going toward the storm to learn more about it and, and obviously try to get some information to help us all be safe. So I thought it was a very interesting, fascinating topic. And joining us right now on the show is Jason Nicholas. He's now the chief meteorologist at WOIO in Cleveland, Cleveland 19 News. He was once in a former life a storm chaser. Uh, Jason, how are you? Hey, Rocky, I'm good. Great to be with you guys uh, from much cooler Cleveland here. We've got the lake, so we're only in the uh, upper 30s right now. Yeah. Just, they're basking here in springtime. You guys normally get about four to six weeks a head start on us, greening up and, and warmer temps. So we're always jealous of our friends down in southwest Ohio. Yeah, I would say you guys are one of the, the few cities that have it worse than us down down here. Because, yeah, you know, it gets warm and then it gets cold again and all the trees start budding mm-hmm. and then they freeze over and they all die and my wife gets mad at me. And I'm like, why is it my fault that the plants are dying? But never, nevertheless, uh, yeah, you guys a little bit more north there. uh have it a little bit worse. Uh, Jason, I want, you, I want to ask you about that, you know, storm chasing. First of all, just describe your your life doing that. How did you get into it? And just you know, just some experiences you had chasing storms. Well, I've been a weather guy for about 15 years, uh, up uh, 10 years up here in Cleveland, and had a chance to uh, do a little chasing um, a few years back and spent about a week or so out in Oklahoma and in Kansas and in portions of uh, southwestern Missouri. Uh, and it's a fascinating thing to do. Uh, you know, you really, you really get to see what it's like as, you know, these big time pro storm chasers go out there, you know, and chase these, uh, you know, storms or they go to a place where storms could develop. I mean, every morning, you know, everyone's looking at all their maps. The outlooks are looking at what will happen in the afternoon. And you start seeing people start to congregate to certain areas. And it's really an exciting time. And it's, it's a very close-knit group. Um, and over the years, that group has lost some folks. A few years back, they, they had one of the historic uh, storm chasers, Andy Gabrielson, who's delivered incredible pictures and video uh, across the country, uh, was killed. And then, of course, what happened uh, this week with these three guys. And, again, it, you know, wasn't direct, you know, people think about you know, storm-chasing deaths. You think about, oh, were they you know, thrown in a tornado and the mm-hmm. tornado threw them up against something and they, you know, and they lost their life that way. But in this case, you know, when you're out there, everyone's moving so fast and time is so of the essence and traffic accidents like this happen a lot. Um, you just hope they don't get to this severity, but it is, it's a really unique. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little, actually a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. 
It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Experience, you know, it's interesting also, Rocky, is believe it or not, it's a big tourism, uh, the big tourism industry out in the Central Plains. Really? Of, uh, yes, of, of professional storm chasers that take, you know, normal folks living in the uh, Cincinnati suburbs, sign up, <laughs> fly down to Norman, Oklahoma, and for a week they're with these storm chasers, and it runs between 1000 to $5,000 a week. Wow. And, yeah, so it's, it's actually a pretty big uh, part of their tourism industry in the Great Plains. So, but, so you, as you, I tell you, every yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying you, you pay these people some money, and then they, they they track them, and then they say, hey, we found one uh, 20 miles east of here. Boom, everyone jumps in the car. The adrenaline's pumping, and, and just regular people can, can watch a tornado or a whatever, storm, right? Yeah, you know, and you, and you do it maybe once in your life, and you say, I've, I've storm chased, and you've got the video to prove it and the photos to prove it. Uh, but as I tell people when I go even go out to do school talks and I show some video that I shot, you know, over the years when I, when I, when I chased out there, uh, for a little bit, you know, and, and kids get really excited. And then I go, you know, this is such a serious thing. You have to know what you're doing. And, right. and especially at nighttime, uh, you know, you can have the best radar technology and you have a good idea what's going on, but boy, at night it can hits, it can be very scary during the day is a little bit easier because you, you have daylight with you. But um, it's a serious situation. You just you hate you hate hearing you know what happened to those guys, especially you know in a traffic thing and running a stop sign. And you're not paying attention. You're looking, you know, you're doing eighty different things. You're looking at your radar. You're looking at your, uh, you know, where the flow of the storm is right. going. You're mm-hmm. looking at the clouds. You look at the base of the clouds. Are we going to have something drop down? And, and that adrenaline is what makes it fun. Uh, like the like you know movie Twister obviously is a little bit over the top, but a lot of it is like that. You're taking these, these back dirt roads and, and you're looking up at the sky. Where's this thing going to drop down? If it's going to drop down, are we on the right side of the storm to, you know, have the sun behind us so we can get the best pictures, but still stay safe. And how close are we going to get? It's really, you know, at the end of the day, when the storm dissipates, everybody goes to the local town where they didn't think they were going to be that morning. And everyone has a big steak dinner in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's um, pretty cool. You know, so it's really, it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's a blast. Um, and, but it, you know, you can see the other side of it too here where you're, you're a danger. And this had really nothing to do directly with the weather. No, no, Jason, I, other than the, the tourism aspect and the adrenaline and Hey, this is really cool. And let's get some pictures. I, I guess a lot of people would ask, Look, we got radar, we got all these things. Why send people out into harm's way to actually be by these storms? So the question is, what, what can you get from actually seeing a storm and being really close to it, if not being in the eye of it, uh, that you can't get on radar and how that can maybe potentially help people be safe? Sure. Well, you can learn so much about a storm uh, you know, by how it looks out in the elements versus just looking at it on our radar screen. If you can see how these, you know, you know, the circulation, the winds, how they develop, how, you know, the, the certain part of the storm is the part of the storm that may drop down the tornado, where your hail core is, where the heavy rains are, where the winds are. If you see that in person, it's not only cool and it makes for great photography. And obviously in this day and age of being able to share everything and a lot of, a lot of these guys do it live. I mean, you can log in almost every day in the spring 
uh, to different storm spotters, and they are broadcasting live on the Internet. And a lot of people love to do that. And then a lot of times you'll see once they got something, their screen goes blank because they record it and they sell that video. Um, uh. But as far as, as far as, you know, for meteorology, you know, we, we can't get enough data. Uh, and we can't, we can't have enough to try to understand, especially how a tornadic thunderstorm forms and, and how the conditions are better. And the more data we can get, the better lead time we can get. And sometimes when you show how violent these things are, people at home see them and go, okay, we get it. These storms can really do a lot. And I think, you know, unfortunately, the more pictures, the more damage that is shown, people, you know, again, understand the severity of these things. So when a tornado warning is issued and you're told to go to your basement or your your safe place, you do it. Um, So there's a little bit of sport involved and, People love, you know, getting that, getting that funnel or getting that, you know, that little rope tornado, beautiful rope tornado mm-hmm. or a big wedge tornado and, you know, getting their credit for that video. There really, there really is a passion to every storm chaser I've met, the serious professional big storm chasers I've met. They all have a passion to try to really keep people safe. It's not just a strict adrenaline rush for them. The goal is to capture stuff on video, chase it, find out more about it, find out why storms form. And then hopefully at the end of the day, you're, you're, get, you're, you're letting people know the power of Mother Nature. Jason Nicholas, Chief Meteorologist at WOIO Cleveland 19 News, joined us on the show. He was um, once a, a storm chaser, got to see these storms up close. Uh, Jason, I guess describe maybe a, a certain instance that maybe stands out from your days of doing that, that really, and I guess, I guess bring us inside of how, how truly powerful these storms are and these tornadoes are. And, you know, we see them on TV and you go, wow, man, the wind's blowing this and that, but I'd really like to be out in that. But once you are really that close, Jason, what are those storms like, the, the power of them? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I guess, lucky or unlucky. I guess it would matter what you, how you look at it, that I've never really seen a tornado up close, up close. I've seen them from a distance when I was out chasing a few years back. I, we did see a couple of tornadoes. We were not able to really intercept them. They were at a distance, and uh, subsequent uh, storm chasing, uh, you know, trips for me, I, we really weren't able to get anything to. But it, it's really feast or famine um, when it comes to chasing. You could have the, the best parameters and the best severe weather parameters set up, and nothing pops. It's happened here in Cleveland. I've done a little bit of storm chasing, too, in northern Ohio for some weaker tornadoes. And uh, you get close, you see the funnel, you see, you know, the wall cloud, and, you know, you're hoping to get something. Hopefully it comes in the <laughs> middle of the field. Uh, but it doesn't. Now, I, I will say I was able to uh, do a little hurricane chasing in the fall. I went down and covered uh, the outer bands of Hurricane Matthew out in the, uh, in the Carolinas, uh, in southern North Carolina, Wrightsville Beach. And uh, that was pretty intense because that is totally different from what you'd get in a tornado. Uh, you know, a tornado is a localized quick storm here one minute, literally gone the next. And with a hurricane, you know when it's coming, uh, and it's relentless. That was really illuminating to me to be out in those outer bands of Hurricane Matthew, 70, 80, 90-mile-an-hour winds, wow. which would be a weak tornado. But they're consistent over two or three hours. Around this pier, just you can't even stand up. You're getting pelted. feels like people are, are throwing pebbles at your face with this rain. And to be out there in that hurricane, now hurricanes are, you know, you got a lot more lead time. Um, but, again, to just, just to see the power there of a hurricane and, and imagining that, you know, winds in a strong tornado being, you know, almost double that speed. 
uh, really, really hard to believe. But yeah, thankfully, I've never really gone eye to eye with a tornado. I've seen them, right. of course, at a distance. And you really shouldn't go eye to eye with a tornado if you're a good storm chaser. You want to get, get south and west of the storm. Normally, that's the uh, direction where the storm comes from as they move north and east. Normally, the southwest part of the storm is where the, uh, the spin would be, the tornado would be. Normally, the tornadoes happen in the afternoon, so the sun's behind you, uh-huh. and you get your uh, really good shots. And you don't, want to, you don't want to be on the north side or the east side of a tornado. Uh, that's when some of the amateur storm chasers who've gotten in trouble get in trouble. And I've heard stories of pro storm chasers having to you know, bail these people out and say, you get out of here, you're in a bad spot. You know, a lot of that. So, so, so what, what, what is that, Jason? Like, why, why is the east side or, or whatever you just said, why is that – the, the bad part and the, the other side, the north side, is, is better. What, what's the, the dynamic there? Sure. Well, you want the south side, really. I mean, typically your big supercell, you know, F4s or EF4s, EF5 tornadoes that we've only had three, I believe, in Ohio's history. The Xenia tornado down by you guys, you remember, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. The Van Wert tornado, I believe, in the late 90s. And then we had the Niles tornado up in Youngstown where my buddy Frank Marzullo from uh, Fox 19 used to work uh, over <laughs> uh, there for the NBC station. Got to have a little Frank drop in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in Niles, Ohio, back in the mid-'80s. So we've had three F5 tornadoes in Ohio. We've had some F4s. We had an F4 uh, a few years back in Millbury out towards uh, Sandusky that hit a school. I was actually on the air uh, at the ABC station up here the night that tornado hit. It hit a day before commencement. Um, I think killed a couple of folks, and we were all out there for at least a week after telling the stories of that tragic tornado. So we get normally the zeros, the ones, the twos, but out in Tornado Alley where these chasers are making their dough, uh, you know, these storms typically form out of a single supercell uh, thunderstorm, not a clump of storms, not a squall line. You know, you look for these little storms by themselves where – you know, nobody can bother the storm. They sit and spin by themselves, and if they're in a favorable environment, they're going to drop down potentially a strong tornado. And normally those things will, uh, you know, form and move, obviously, as weather typically does here, moves west to east. And a lot of times with a, with a supercell uh, tornadic thunderstorm, it'll, it'll move more from a southwest to a northeast direction. Uh, so, again, you don't want to be east because of the storm's coming at you, mm-hmm. and you're also shooting into the sun. Um, and you don't want to be on the north side of it again because the storm is kind of coming at you. So a nice, you know, a southerly, you know, from the south or the southwestern direction watching this thing move north and east is definitely uh, the best way to go. So, well, Jason, next time I go and chase one of these, I see one out on my back porch, I'll, I'll know to get on the south side, right? That, that's where I'll be Yeah, safe, it's not right? always the case, not always the case, but in no. general, right. you know, and, and, and people have gone back and forth, what side of your house should you, should you go on? A lot of people say you want to go on the southwest side because if the storm's coming from that side, it'll just kind of go over you instead of, you know, on the northeast side of your house because then everything will be blown at you. I, I always just say, look, just keep it simple lowest point of your home, right. as many walls between you and the storm as possible, say a prayer. Absolutely. Jason, look, this has been fantastic, man. really appreciate your time and your insight on this, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon, man. Thank you so much. Rocky, thank you. Yep. Uh, Jason Nicholas, uh, Chief Meteorologist at uh, WOIO in Cleveland. I don't know if anyone out there, listen, has, has seen a tornado up close. I mean, the closest thing I've been to is, what was that, 2007, 8, 9, what was that? 
with the, the hurricane here in Cincinnati. I, I remember being a, a you know a part of that, and, and then you know I didn't really see like an eye of the hurricane or any of that sort of stuff. But I remember experiencing that and that being pretty wild. But I, I don't know, man. There's just something about me, and I don't know if anyone else out there feels this way, where you, you'd like to see one of those tornadoes, those hurricanes up close. I mean, just obviously there's there's a tremendous amount of danger, and it'd be totally stupid to do that. But I don't know if anyone's ever experienced one of those up close. 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800-BIG-ONE. Love to hear your thoughts and your insight on that. So let's do this. We will uh, take a break. We'll come back with more shows. Stick around, 700 WLW. All right, it's 1025 here on the big one, 700 WLW. So last night we were talking about the Crayola deal, right, with the, the crayons and which one they're going to get rid of. So I found this um, I found this picture, and I just tweeted it out. And someone, this, this woman had gone through and taken a uh, like a you know piece of paper and wrote out every color and, and drew next to it so you could actually see the color. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. That's what I'm looking at right now. And, you know, first of all, look, I already made the jokes about you can't get rid of the white crayon because that would be white, you know, all that. Okay, we, we, we get that, but... If I'm looking at this from my perspective, I think you would have to get rid of yellow green or, or green yellow because it looks. I mean, if you look at the look, go to my Twitter at Rocky Boyman fifty and green yellow and just regular yellow look very very similar. Like too similar. It's redundant. You don't need another one. The other one I would say next would be, um, eh, I guess I say blue violet. Looks exactly like violet. So why do you need two of them? Now, here's the interesting thing I just thought of. So they're taking one crayon out of a 24-count box. Does that mean they're going to have a 23-count box? Because if that's the case, I just got the heebie-jeebies because I am a, I'm oddly all about symmetry, okay? Like if, like if my wife makes a meal, I need the meatloaf in this quadrant of the plate. I need the potatoes in this quadrant. I need the corn in this quadrant. And I need the other quadrant free for like a bread or a, a something like that. If, you know, if, if like the, the rug in our living room, I, I need it to be equidistant from every wall. I, will, I am so much of a psycho. I will literally go out to the garage and get a ruler and measure to make sure it is exactly equidistant from every wall. If like if the, you know, like, like the chair is not lined up with the, the same line of the grain of, of like, like the floor, I, 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 I'm beside myself. I, I can't think. I, cannot, I can't go on with my day. So a 23-count box of crayons, that is not symmetrical. That is asymmetrical, right? It's a uh, prime number, right? Isn't that prime number one, a number that's only divisible by one in itself? 
24, half of 12, like there's lots of symmetry there. 23 count box. I have, I, I don't, I won't know what to do with myself. I'll never buy crayons again. Won't do it. Ugh. Okay, I'm uncomfortable right now even just thinking about that. Anyway, let's do this. So we got some callers here. We got Dwayne, we got Troy, but uh, well, let's get to the bottom of the hour news here. And I wanted to get your guys' calls. I think this, this topic is fascinating. People dealing with weather and seeing tornadoes and things like that up close. So stick around, stay on the lines. We'll continue this. And I also want to ponder the question if you could go back to one age in your life, right? Five years old, 16 years old, 25 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. What would you go back to? I was watching my son the other day and just, just watching him at three years old, and I suddenly became very envious of him and being three years old. So we'll talk about all this and much, much more. Stay on the line, 700 WLW. 1035 News Radio, 700 WLW. Appreciate Brad Steen playing the Deftones coming back. Great, great band. Good stuff. So we're talking about uh, storm chasing, and the closest you've ever been to a storm, any any experiences being up close, uh, tornadoes. I mean, me, and my dad. I mean, he's fascinated with weather. You know, I, I am too. My, my my wife is too. But I, I know my dad has has always been like, I would love to just see a tornado up close. Now, of course, I go well to do that, Dad. That would mean your you know, your house would be gone. And oh, I don't. I'm not talking about that. I, I just want to see one up close. Well, you know, I, I saw people. Uh, people I know in the Bahamas, uh, there was a uh, one uh, Hurricane uh, Joaquin. This is what what two years ago, about two and a half years ago, over there. I mean, they had to hunker down in that hurricane, and they said, "Buddy, that was no picnic at all." I mean, there, there's a there's literally guys I know over there that have like like sand embedded in their skin from it, just the the amount of wind throwing the the sand up against them, and you know, bailing water out of the house and. People getting lifted up off their feet. I mean, weather is very, very powerful. I know we. I'm saying the obvious, but you think, oh wow, look how cool that storm is over there. You get up close to that thing, that thing will flat take you over. Let's go to the phones here. Let's go to uh, Fairfield and talk to Dwayne. Dwayne, what's the? Uh, uh, I guess a, a weather story you have. Okay, back in the day, it was like '74. We had a tornado come through on the Lake Cumberland. If People are familiar with that one. Yep, been there a bunch of times. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, my dad says, let's go. We had four kids winning. He said, let's go. So he said, all right, so the tornado's there. And he said, hey, hey, Dwayne, let's go see it. Oh, well, what ended up was the people that stayed down there ended up in Lake and they did find them. Our fishing Everything we had, two-story, well, a three-room tent, was gone. Everything was gone. Really? Took everything you had? Now, I mean, were you guys safe? Did you? How'd you make it out of there? We were up there with no power at all in Somerset, and Dad said, "Get in the car now." We seen the storm coming. It was just ripping through. That hill on Fishing Creek, I know all your uh, people, yeah, and he goes, now, he, we left everything, fishing yeah. poles, fishing tents, I, I mean, the tents, are, we, we left everything. Yeah. If we got in there, there was no power at the motel. Yeah, it sounds like your your dad like thought it was going to be a fun thing to do and turned out to be pretty scary. So we got to get out of here now. Yeah, 
Yeah, my dad knows now. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, Dwayne, we got to run, buddy, but thank you very much for the call. That's that's how this stuff goes. You you say, hey, well, let's go down and see that thing, and then you you do it, and then you realize how powerful it is. Let's go to Montgomery and talk to Troy. Troy, you're on the big one. Fire away. Yeah, um, back in the early uh, 2000s, there was uh, the tornado that came across uh, Kenwood, uh, Blue Ash, Montgomery, and there were some fatalities um, across from the Sycamore High School, so that's what I'm referencing. I live very close to the uh, Bethesda North Hospital. So I'm out on the porch, and I hear this roar, um, just like they describe. So I was crazy enough to jump in my car, and I'm heading down toward Blue Ash on uh, Pfeiffer Road, Mm -hmm. and I get under the underpass of 71, and my Volkswagen at the time, it lifted off the ground. No way. Really? No, no, I am not. I'm a pilot. Um, I've been uh, flying in storms, etc. Flight instructor, da da dee, da da da. I am not exaggerating. My car went off the ground. I turned around. Obviously, the path that it took went over um, by that, and then it took out some woods and a small park, and then it went over to Sycamore. So that diagonal line that the guy talked about, where you're on that east. To northeast side, that's where I was, but it was in the dark. All I could see was purple. Um, it was purple and orange and all kinds of probably fragments uh, here at dusk. So when I turned around, I looked at the entrance ramp going to 71 North. There was a car off the side of the road. I do not know if they were anybody in it. I saw the car flip on its top. Wow, man. And I drove as fast as I could back to my house, which was one mile from there. I was so geeked out that I looked down and I was going 90 miles an hour on Pfeiffer Road. I came airborne up this little hill. There was nobody out. Um, That was the freakiest thing I've ever seen. But I calculate that. I was pretty much on top of it because it might have went over, and I was under the underpass causing the vacuum uh, for the car to lift off the ground. So wow. I, was fairly, I was fairly close. That's that's the bottom line. Now, is, is it what they say? They say it sounds like a freight train. Is, is that the, the noise that you w- would describe yeah. having hear, heard it? Yes, the freight train. Mm-hmm. That's the closest thing that I can uh, – describe it as so it's just like a very very loud freight train and obviously whether you're going toward it or you know it's going away from you you know the intensity but that's pretty much it um i couldn't really see it uh, in it all um i just really felt it because it was somewhat at dusk and dark but i could see things swirling in the air and these colors that you just you just don't see and obviously the proof was in the pudding the next day um of the devastation that that occurred and you could see the track that it had made and i was uh closer than probably what i would like to be now, now in hindsight would you would you go back again i mean was was the experience seeing it that cool or, or certainly not worth the risk of going out and, and getting in your car and about getting your car blown up in the air well being a pilot and yeah, that's somewhat adventurous to some degree 
I, I think that I would do it again, given um, maybe not at night. Um, the problem is I couldn't see, and that's what the guy was uh, indicating earlier on your program, that if you cannot see, you can't get out of the way. Plus, we're landlocked here in, in Cincinnati. Right. And we, you know, There's not many places you could go, so probably not here, but certainly if I was out in a different area, it would not scare me. This was, I mean, unfortunately, when one hits in an area like Cincinnati, you know, if you're out, you're not going to get out of the way if it's coming across at you at the velocity that, it, that it's moving. So you're really sunk. If you go out on these tours, you have a lot more space, Rocky. Yeah, so yeah. You when you're out on the on, on the open plains, first of all, you got a lot of distance. You can see the things, and hey, we're getting a little too close or whatever. Yeah, Absolutely. here in Cincinnati, it, going over those hills, it could be over the next hill. You don't see it, then boom. There it is, and you're you're done. That's what happened to me. I really believe because I think it. I, I think it. I was just going right into its mouth, and I think the bridge, the overpass, is the only thing that really uh, saved me, so to speak. Um, you know, because I couldn't see it, and um, you know, I, I was just right there. So. Wow, that's really cool, man. And now you're making me want to go out and, and, and see one, though. As dangerous it is. <laughs> well, no, I, I want to go out west. I actually want to go do it in, in a controlled environment with people that know what they're doing. Yeah, that, that, that's what, what, what Jason described. I didn't know that that was like a whole cottage industry. Like, you know, you could go out there as a tourism kind of thing. That'd be pretty neat. You're around people that know what they're doing. And, hey, we got to get on, make sure we're on this side of it. And here, we're not going too close, not too far away. That'd be pretty cool. I, I think so. I think for younger people, I'm 55, um, but I've got the spirit and the heart of a 30, 35 year old. I think younger people, I think it's something to experience. I relate it back to, you know, my faith, uh, the good Lord, uh, what he's done. You know, it's a miracle of nature. Man can't create these things that I take it from a different perspective of, of viewing and evaluation. But, you know, hey, this is something that, you know, it, it's an unbelievable act in nature that, um, you know, if we could see it, study it, understand it, you know, I think those are cool things. No, absolutely. Uh, Troy, we got to run, buddy. Thank you very much for the story. Okay, thanks. Yep. Yeah, man, Mother Nature's powerful. It's cool cool to see. It's just how close do you get to it. Let's go to Fort Thompson and talk to Rob. Rob, you're on the big one. Fire away. Hey, Rocky. Good show. Bring back memories. Yeah. It's 74 when that tornado hit um, Sailor Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my dad's house in Fort Thomas, we could actually see the crew tower. And, you know, it's kind of a, maybe four miles away. But that afternoon was spooky. And I don't know. Do I want to see it again? I don't know. Because <laughs> who knows what's going on. What was happening was, is back in that, that time, all you had was AM radio with that scratchy National Weather Service. And the sirens were going off everywhere. And this guy's saying, you know, take cover, take cover. And we're sitting on the front porch, me and my brothers and dad. And the sky was just black until you got over towards the crew tower. It was like a white band, and coming down was like this finger. And that was the tornado. We were watching this thing. It was like a, uh, like a hair. And you uh-huh. can see the thing. We sat there and watched that thing for like a half hour. But then we found out that our cousins over in uh, Mac, Ebenezer, yeah. um, they came up out of the basement, and their second floor was gone. Really? So. Do I want to see that? Because you never know what's actually happening. Are, are you know farms being taken out, people being taken out? But that was so freaking spooky. Like I said, the sky was just black. It was like four thirty, five o'clock. Right. Sirens going off, and that little hair you can see it just going back and forth, just like blowing in the wind. 
and the devastation at Sailor Park and up above, up the hill at, in, in Mac, I guess, Ebenezer Road. Um, they told, one of the, my cousins told me that there was a cow because of the pressure change mm-hmm. actually blew up like a balloon and they had to put it down. So you never really? know what's going on. God, that, that's insane. Well, like you said, you don't, you have no idea where that thing is going to go. It could, you know, you could think you're on the, you know, the, the, you know, the other side of it's going that way. That thing pulls back around. You're done. That's it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But we had an unbelievable perspective of, of that evening, and it was it was just flat out. Scary. I'd like to see one, man. I'll tell you what. I'd like to see one. <laughs> Obviously, you know, away from my house and everyone else's house. You know, no, no one in, right. in danger. No one lose their life or lose their home or anything. But man, to be up close and see something like that again. The people that I talked to in the Bahamas, they said they would never want to go through again. But kind of similar to you, like. Having gone through it and now they're safe and they're you know and they're they're like that was pretty neat. Don't want to do it again, but it was pretty neat to see the the awesome power of that. Well, my aunt, um, well actually, yeah, kind of a distant cousin aunt. What what I understood after that, anytime any little storm come up, she'd head for the basement, scared it up. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. Let's go. Uh... Let's go to the phones again. Let's go to Fairfield and talk to Rob. Rob, you're on the big one. Fire away. Hey, Fairfield, correct? Yeah. You, uh, yeah. You uh, were, uh, yep. Great. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm originally from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know if you're familiar from Michigan. Um, they have water spouts up there all the time. All right. Now, there's, there's another part just north of Detroit called Lake St. Clair. All right. We was out in a, in a trolley, and next thing you know, they've got these water spouts everywhere. They're like tornadoes over the water, which is horrible. All right. Now I see my cat fly out of the top of it, but the whole the whole sad thing is that it was, it just stops out of nowhere. It's inconceivable. Right. So, so, so is that called a typhoon? So basically, out in the lake, well, there's like a tornado, and ab- then ab- absolutely not. They're called water spouts. Water right? spouts. Now, okay. Yes. Uh, now you can have, have your mate look it up. It's like it's just, when I lived in Canada. I was on the Canadian side, near the winter side for a little while. Then then I lived in Detroit side for a while. But we had this little, little seaway there, and, and couldn't believe it. We, we were sitting floating down there with the dinghy, and next thing you know, wow, we saw these, these things come down. We thought it was tornado. We couldn't find out they were water spouts. Water spouts. I'm gonna look that up, man. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. But you said they they just kind of you see them and then they boom, they disappear and another one pop up over here, huh? Absolutely, the, the pop like like a bunch of zits. You see them everywhere. They just go away. <laughs> there's an there, there's an image, Rob. We got to run, buddy. Thank you for the call. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Uh, if you're calling on this, stay on the line. We'll get your call at seven hundred WLW. All right, it is our number three, the Rocky Boyman Show here on News Radio seven hundred WLW. It's a pleasure as always to be with you all the way until midnight. Before Steve Summers takes over with America's Trucking Network, he is in the house. I just saw him walking down the hall. So let me ask you this. If you could go back to any age in your life, what would you go back to? And the reason I ask you this is, first of all, no one thinks the age they're currently at is is, is any good. right? Oh, no, it was better when I was a kid or when you're a kid, of course. You can't wait to be older to get all the freedoms that come with that. But I, I, I was... So I was watching my son the other day, and uh, it was in the morning. And I usually, you know, watch. You know, my wife she she works part time, and um, so I'll, I'll like kind of watch him in the morning and stuff. And some days he gets up way too early when I go to bed about one. But either way, 
Um, so I was watching him, and I, was, I had to run around. I had to do this. I had to go to this meeting. I had to make a couple calls. And so I'm like, all this scrambling, all this stress, right? All the stresses of daily life that we all go through, whether it's relationships or job or just crap, right? Financial stuff you got to worry about. It's like adult life is all about worrying, and you worry about your kids. And so I'm, all this is going on. I look on the on the on the floor there. My son is just playing with these trains, like not a care in the world. Didn't care if I had two meetings that day and five phone calls and a, and a three hour show to prepare for, and not enough time to get it done. Nope, not 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 a care in the world. No responsibilities, no financial issues to deal with, no you know breakups and you know all that uh, crap, right? So so on one hand you say, boy, isn't that fantastic? It's 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 a time in your life where you're truly you be truly selfish, right? It's literally all about if you're three years old, it is all about you, and nothing's really expected any more than that. No one's expecting you to. Other than being polite and showing respect to your parents and showing respect to uh, other kids and family members and things like that, no one's expecting you to, you know, be the breadwinner for the family or do anything other than be yourself and and be a good kid. So I don't know. I I just wonder what, like, what if you could go back to any age in your life. So if you're like, you know, like at three to five, six years old, that's like the truly selfish, most selfish time of your life where it's all about you. But again, you you know the the upside is no responsibilities, no financial things you got to worry about, n- nothing to worry about but you. But the downside, of course, is you have no, no 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 freedom really. You can't do anything. You don't have any money to do anything. You have no knowledge to do anything. You have, don't have the motor skills to to do anything. So so okay, you got that age. I don't know if there's anybody who would like to go back to that. That particular day, I wanted to go back to being three years old because I was having one hell of a day. Then you look at, okay, you know, that like 16 to 18, 19, 20 range. Or same thing, yes, you know, little responsibilities. But you're starting to enjoy more and more freedoms. You're smarter. um, You know, but responsibilities are starting to creep in a little bit, right? You got to, you know, you got to, you're expected to abide by the law. Um, you're expected to get good grades. You're expected to, you know, kind of live up your end of the bargain. And, you know, at that age, you're starting to get jobs and, and know about money and the repercussions and the implications of that. Then you look back and you say, okay, well, maybe not so that, maybe not so much that, because still at 16, 18, you don't really know much. You think you know every damn thing, but you don't know anything really when you're that age. And certainly at 16, 18, 20 years old, financially, you don't have much, you know, freedom, much to work with and to go and see things and experience a lot of things. So you got the time, not as much responsibility, but not the, not the opportunities that you would, would like to have. So, okay, you look 25, 30 years old. Now it's starting to do be pretty good. That's kind of starting to get in the sweet spot. You have some money still largely about you, but this is about the time when you start thinking about or start having a family where you start thinking about, okay, I want to get a wife and I want to, or a husband and I want to settle down and I want to have kids. Um, And also that's when, you know, even though you're young and it's still kind of about you, you're starting to, you know, you got to have a job and you got to get money because if you want to pay for that house you want and you got to repay your student loan debts, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, things that, that, that start to come into play here. Now, I'm 37, and I would say 
I don't know. I, I'm completely content with where I am in life. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would trade for for another age. You know, got a got a wife. You know, stable home. Got a son that I love. Financially, everything's good. Um, but again, you you know, you, I guess at your at this kind of age, you, you look back and you go, God, man, when I was. I, I guess if I could go back to a, another age, other than where I'm at right now, I'd probably say like 20, I don't know, 24, 25, right? Because you, know, you had a couple bucks in your pocket at that age, and you could, you know, but you you could go anywhere and do anything you wanted. And that, that's there's something, you know, uh, something romantic about that, right? Where you, you can kind of do whatever you want. You're in charge of your own destiny. And it's again same thing. It's all about you. I don't know if if you could go back to one age in your life, what would it be? Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pounds seven hundred eighty and T one eight hundred. The big one. Now you talk to people in their fifties and sixties. I don't know. I, you tell me. I, I would say a lot of people feel content because now you're starting to go back on the end where your kids have moved out. You're more financially secure, right? Hopefully you are. Hopefully you've saved and you know you're you're starting to enter retirement or or you're in retirement. So it's not the hustle and bustle. Things aren't as, as stressful. And so it's almost like you're kind of going back a little bit of the same situation you were in your, like, 20s. Except for the downside, of course, is from a health standpoint, it's not there. You know, if, you know, you can't physically do, you can't, you know, pick up as much. You can't lift as much. You can't run as fast. You, you know, you need more sleep. You, you you're body you know the aches and pains you get out of bed in the morning it takes a little bit longer to get going that's a great i mean health is a great is a great thing I mean, especially feeling young I mean, even at 37 i look back when i was 25 and god i didn't need any sleep at all i got up out of bed felt great didn't need to you know warm up to do i mean god if i didn't need to like jog like a half mile i gotta like spend 15 minutes warming up <laughs> so sad so I don't know five one three seven four nine seven thousand pound seven hundred eighteen t one eight hundred the big one. What age would you go back to? I, I I don't know if if I don't know if people always want to say that the like the age they're at right now they like or I, I would say most of the time you think uh, another age is better. I'd like to go back to when I was this age or I look forward to when I become this age. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Erie, PA, and talk to Kyle. Kyle, if you could go back to one age or one um, period of your life, where would you go? Hmm, that's a tough one, Rocky. Uh, thanks for taking my call, by the way. I'd have to say 1990 when I was seven years old for a couple different reasons. Number one, we actually, our generation actually played outside back then. Yes. We weren't glued to a smartphone. We even, dude, we even had baseball teams, neighborhood baseball teams growing up here in Erie. Like us, we'd play the neighbor kids from like a street over. And we'd do that from dawn to dusk pretty much. Yeah, man, those are the days. Same thing. I, I am so thankful that I, I didn't grow up in, in the. And I have me and my wife talk about all the time. We, we worry about our son all the time because. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
you know, my God, what, what is this world going to be like? What's it like now? Our kids are going to play. They're always on the phones, this and that. There's yeah. so many more things to worry about. You know, I felt like at our age, your parents didn't worry about you a ton. If you're, as long as you're outside and you weren't, you know, killing each other, everything was fine, right? Right. I'll tell you what, man. My stepdaughter, I love her to death. She's a great kid. She's 11. But she can't go anywhere without a device in her hand. It's not even not even to do the dish. She does do chores around the house. She's God bless her. She's a great kid. But wherever in the house she is, she's got to have a device. And back when I was a kid growing up, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say we were poor, but even Nintendo was an extreme luxury for us. These kids these days don't know how lucky they have it. No, you're right. They, they have it so lucky. And, Kyle, we got to run. Thank you very much for the call. Um, he, he, how I've had this described to me is the reason why people are so so into their phones all the time. And it's not just kids. Look, adults are the same way. Walk down a street tomorrow, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Look, or go to a restaurant. I, I, I always think it's so funny. You go to a restaurant, and there's four people sitting together at the same table, right? You, you imagine they're friends or coworkers or something. And... None of them are talking to each other. They're all talking to someone on their phones. Like you got, you got like three other people right here you could be communicating with and having like a decent kind of you know relationship or talk with. Nope, something better out there. But how I've had this, how I've had this described to me is, you know, I think about when you, like when you receive a, a package in the mail, right? Hey, there's a knock on the door, mailman. Boom, pack package at the door. What happens? No matter what kind of mood you're in, you instantly go. Wow, what's what's that package? You you get a your brain releases the chemical dopamine, right? So you get that which which is a, a stimulant that causes you to be in a better mood, right? Anytime you get a package delivered, or you used to get a letter in the mail, you go to the mailbox and you open it up and it says, you know, Rocky, oh my God, who's this from? So you get that little shot of dopamine. Well, what we have with the smartphones and the in the in the social media devices, we have that ability to get that same thing, that little package. That that note that uh, you know that little compliment, and that which is to say, hence you get that little hit of dopamine. But now we can get it hundreds, if not thousands, of times a day. I mean, why do you think people are always on the on on the social media posting stuff about themselves and and here's the outfit I'm wearing, or here's the car I'm driving, or here's the kind of the mood I'm in, and I'm so sad. Why? Because you want people to go, oh my god, you look so beautiful today. Boom, hit a dopamine. Oh, my God, yeah, you, you are so accomplished and so successful, and you look so pretty. Boom, hit a dopamine. Oh, my God, you know, I, I'm so sorry for your loss, and, and, I, and our prayers are with you today. Boom, hit a dopamine. So that same, I, mean, I guess we've always been searching for that, but we just could never get it in the abundance that we're getting now. You should get, remember, you said package coming to the door. Oh, my God, what could it be? Well, and now we're getting it all the time. Let's go to the phones again. Let's go to Ross and talk to David. David, what age would you go back to if you could, any point in your life? Well, Rock, you know, uh, I'd probably go back to second to right now. I would go back to uh, probably a 26, 7, 8-year-old range. I just moved from Cincinnati to Dallas. I didn't know a soul in town, and uh, it was just uh, – you know, a wonderful experience uh, in the dating scene, if you know what I mean. <laughs> David, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I'll be 60 in May. <laughs> the dating scene when you're 28, buddy. Yeah, that's, that's all right. So so you said you said 60? Is that what you said, 60? 
Yeah, I'll be 60 in May, and you, you see me all the time down that are at a workout place. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay, good. Well, you're in good shape, man. What are you talking about? You're looking real good these days. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for 60, what the hell? See, I, I just gave but, you a uh, shot of dopamine right there. I gave you that compliment, and inside your head, boom, you got that little hit. There you go. I'll tell you what, three, three, three months ago, I met this uh, this lady named Patty, and uh, ironically, she's the same name as my mother, Patricia Ann. And um, so my mom likes her, obviously. But, <laughs> it's always uh, important. Yeah, so three, three, three months uh, into it, and I tell you what, I, I I feel like I'm 25 again. So you know, whatever. It's just uh, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to compare 28 to 60. But I'm those are the two best ages. Yeah, but but, but yeah, but look if, if you're in you know if you're if you're in good health and you know, you're in good spirits, then you know I guess the age in, in a way is is just a number, right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep, absolutely. Very good, you David. See me. Yeah, David, I'll, I'll probably see you tomorrow. Thanks very much for the call. Thank you. See that that's a, that's kind of the point I was making about the the dopamine though is like in a in a, in a way we're all drug addicts. Right. In a way, we all, you know, a lot of us are always, you know, whether you're posting stuff on social media and you're, you know, and you have that interaction. And as I said, you're getting that hit of dopamine every time someone sends you a message or sends you a text, sends you an email. You get that. Oh, wow. What could it be? Kind of feeling. And you get addicted to it. So that's why the people are always in their phones. That's why the, you know, the girls and, and the guys are always posting pictures of themselves. So they hope someone comp- compliments on it. They're like you're going fishing for compliments, but you're looking for that. You're, you're, we're, we're drug addicts. We're looking for that, that, that dopamine hit, that release of dopamine from our brain to make us feel good. And because it's so easy, but here's the deal, not to get philosophical tonight, but is it, is it really because it happens so much and it's such a small quantity, but happens so much. Is it really, is it really that monumental of a, of a, of a, of a feeling? And I wonder if while we get those constant little bitty hits of dopamine, we never really get the big hits, which come from what? True relationships. Like when you're actually interacting with another human being, right? Instead of just texting your friend, when you're actually going through an experience where you're, and you're playing basketball together or you're, you, you go on an adventure, you go, on a, you go out for the, the evening and you, you know, interact with different people. Now, that's a, you get those real hits of dopamine there, but these little little fake hits we get, they're easier but they're very much unfulfilled. Right? They're very, very they're just kind of drops in the bucket. But I guess we get kind of everyone kind of naturally gravitates to the easy thing, and that's kind of where we are. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Fairfield and talk to Tony. Tony, what age would you go back to? Um, I am forty-seven, and I would go back to twenty-three in a day. <laughs> now, what is it about twenty-three you loved? Well, you know, I just got out of the military and I was living in Boulder, Colorado, and it was just, you know, spectacular. I was working at a ski resort when I got out of the military. And so I just, there were tons of women and it was just, it was a beautiful thing. And part of it though, Tony, right, is that, I mean, the, the amount of responsibilities you had were very, very small, right? You weren't weren't married at the time. Yeah, you had a job. No. You just got out of the military, but you weren't responsible for five kids or, or any of that stuff or a 401K or any of that nonsense, right? 
No, I was I was free and open. Uh, I was absolutely loving it. I, I took full advantage of it because when you get out of the military, they let you collect unemployment, and so I was just I was. You know, and I hate that I did it, but I lived on the government for like eight months. Wait, eight months ain't bad. Do you kind of get on your feet? That's I think I don't think anything. Yeah, no, I had a I had a really good occupation while I was in the military, and so I I used it for the next uh, twenty years, and I made a really good success of myself. So, so uh, again, what what is like the biggest thing you? Is it just the freedom you miss from from being that age? Yeah, I mean, because I had I had no, um, you know, I had no worries back then. You know, I was, you know, I just got out of the military. And I was in a really good position, and I thought it was so cool that. And I was a big Grateful Dead fan, and so I used to go see the Grateful Dead all the time. I would tour around, and you know, sports and uh, the Grateful Dead. That was pretty sports, much sports. Grateful did. Dead chicks, man. What what more what more you need, right? <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> That's all you need. Tony, thank you for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey. Uh, here, here's what's funny. And, again, I, I wouldn't trade where I'm at for anything. I've got a woman I love, son, that's that's fantastic. But here's what I always say, and I'll say this before I go to a break. Like The difference between getting being married and single, to me, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go out and – you know, meet a bunch of chicks and, oh, okay, great. When you're young, you, you want to do all that if you're a guy. But but to me, the thing that's appealing about being young and, and especially single is, look, when I'm married, right, or I'm married right now, when me and my wife go out, if as I'm in the house at 5 o'clock getting ready to go out, which we never go out, but when we do say, when I'm at the house, it's 5 o'clock and I'm in the shower or whatever, I'm getting ready to go, I know exactly how that night is going to end before I even leave the house. Okay, I'm going to get my clothes on. I'm going to brush my hair. She's going to get her clothes on. We're going to go somewhere. I'm going to spend a bunch of money. And then we're going to go somewhere else. I'm going to spend a bunch of money. And then we're going to come home, and we had a lovely time. But you know exactly how that night is going to end before you leave the house. The appealing part about being young and single is you have no idea how that night is going to end. And the thrill of that is gold, man. The thrill of that is, I mean, that's what, at least for a certain period of your life, not not forever, it shouldn't be that way. You should find fulfillment in other things. But for that, that small period in your life, man, isn't that exciting? Man, you could wake up in another state. You could wake up in another, you know, you meet somebody. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? There, there's something cool in the unknown, I guess, is what I'm saying. I don't know. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We will come back. We've got another half-hour show. Stick around. 700 WLW. And then we're going to come home, and we had a lovely time, but you know exactly how that night is going to end before you leave the house. <laughs> That's funny. Courtesy of Razzine. Bravo. Bravo, my friend. See, the funny part is the accident, the night usually doesn't end like that. Usually ends up with me falling asleep at like, you know, some odd time, like 1030 after like my, you know, seventh jack and water. That's my drink, by the way. Yeah, usually doesn't even end. Like, see, that's what you have to look forward to. How old are you, Brad? Yeah, Brad's 27. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you have to look forward to. All right. Enjoy it while it lasts, my friend. So... 
So speaking of, uh, I wonder if uh, Jeff Bezos would like to go back to another age. Uh, He just today, at age 53, became the second richest person on Earth today. He bumped Warren Buffett. Now, Warren Buffett's fortune went down because he bet against Trump. Uh, That was the only time I've mentioned Trump tonight. But uh, there you go. Anyway, um, Bezos, now the second richest person on Earth. The latest tally by Bloomberg's Billionaire's Index shows Bezos is now worth $75.6 billion, with a B, dollars. He added $1.5 billion to his net worth after Amazon gained uh, $9 billion in market value during trading hours Wednesday. Uh, Amazon stock's been on fire. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lately, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Bezos leapfrogged investing guru Warren Buffett and Spanish fashion tycoon Emancio Ortega who are worth $74.9 billion and $74.2 billion, respectively. Side note here, I mean, do you... Okay, so Warren Buffett is worth, what, $74.2... Uh, or no, $74.9 billion. Do you respect it, or do you hate the fact that he still drives, like... Does he still drive, like, his, you know, the same, like, you know, old Dodge he's had for, like, 20 years? I mean... Right? I mean, do you like, oh, that's that's, that's kind of cool that you're very modest? Or you go, dude, come on, man. You got $74.9 billion and you're like seven years old. Go buy a Ferrari, right? I, it's funny. I used to like in the NFL, like used to like, you, you, I would always think, because I was, was pretty modest. I had like, I didn't ever had like some amazing car or anything like that. But I just like truck. And I would always tell people, no, I just, you know, oh, okay, cool. You got, you know, it's got in the league. What kind of truck you got? And I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just Chevy truck. And this and they'd be like, Really? That's it? I'm like, no, but I kind of like, aren't you proud that I'm not like, you know, pissing money away like everyone else on the team is? No, they want, they want excess. They want to see you just be totally dumb and stupid. I wish, wish Warren Buffett would be a little more, a little more loose with that. What would you do if you're Jeff Bezos and you have $75.6 billion? Now, this reminds me of a, a book I read that said, it, 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 I think it was maybe even Time Magazine. They put the, it said the a study showed the best amount of wealth, right? That the best like you know income you should have, the perfect amount for a family is seventy five thousand dollars a year. Because below that, you're stressed out all the time, right? You're stressed out about mortgages and putting food on the table and and, and this and that. But at seventy five thousand dollars, that's perfect. But if you get over that. You're not any more fulfilled at 75 than you would be at 175 or 275. Yeah, you have more crap, you have more possessions, but you're not any more. Your your actual happiness isn't anymore. And and I thought that was thought that was interesting. Now, the other thing I wonder. I mean, it obviously depends on how many kids you have. Because if seventy five thousand dollars a year for a family is is good money, if you have no kids or one kid, you start having like. Two kids, three kids, and you start thinking about schooling and, you know, if you want to help out with college and all that sort of stuff, then, man, that that's, that that money starts to get eaten up pretty quick. So I don't know if that would, if that would do it or not. What would you do if you had $75.6 billion? 
Um, what would I do? <laughs> what movie is that from? Office Space. I won't say what he just said. <laughs> that was funny. Um, what would I do first? What would I do first with that? Should I, should I say travel? That's what everyone says. I travel. If I had all the money, where I just travel? Oh, whatever. I wouldn't do something. I wouldn't travel. Buy a plane, right? And isn't a, isn't a plane like the ultimate? To me, that would be the ultimate luxury. Because maybe it's just because I fly on a lot of planes and stuff, but it is, it is such a pain in the ass. I hate flying. I hate the airports. I hate going to the security and all the wasted time. And then the flights never get there on time. And it's always just such a hassle. To me, if I had like, you know, big, like just stupid, like this kind of money, to be able to have your own plane and fly wherever you want to, whenever you wanted to, that would be that would be pretty cool. If if I had exorbitant money that you didn't have to worry about anything, that would that would be what I would do. Because that would be fantastic. You'd just be like, you know what? I don't I don't feel like driving to Cleveland. Pull the plane around, drive to London, boom, you're there. That'd be pretty neat. Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pounds seven hundred AT and T. One eight hundred the big one. I, I started off the show talking about uh, Edmund Sumner. Now he's the if you don't know who he is, he's the uh, basketball player guard for XU, and he just announced today that even as a sophomore and even coming off a, a bad knee injury he just suffered in January that he's you know still a long long way from recovering from. Uh, anyway, he's entering the NFL, the NBA draft. Just announced it today, and a lot of people are like, "That's the dumbest decision ever." You got two more years. You should stick around there. You know, maybe get a little bit more of your education, get the knee right, and come back, perfect your game a little bit, and then maybe if you want to go to the NBA draft. And, and I understand that that's the probably the smarter play, that's probably the safe money. But there's some about maybe it's just tonight, but some about me that really just respects the fact that he's saying, "Nope, you know what? I am going for it. I think the timing is right now," and, and, and it is. Look, I mean, if Who's to say that if he come goes back to XU and he doesn't recover from the knee injury and he winds up having an even worse year, then his draft stock goes down even more. So for everyone that says, oh, it, it, it's a smarter money to, to, to come back uh, the following year, I don't know. It, it could be, but it very well couldn't be. I guess I respect people that, that push their chips in the middle, man, that just say, you know what, this is what I want to do in life, and... I'm not going to play it smart. In fact, I'm going to play it risky. But I mean, r- r- risk is what gives us a lot of greatness in life. So it gives us the great inventions and gives us the you know, the people that, that have you know gone to college, but they drop out of college because they've found some invention or some new business they want to start or, or drop out of even high school because they want to be in a band and they want to be a great musician. They go on to do that. And I know the people that actually accomplish that are few and far between. But there's, I don't know, there's something about there you go, yeah, man, that's pretty cool. And I, I was talking earlier about my buddy uh, that I played football with, uh, with the Colts. And he went up playing like four years, a couple years the Colts, a couple years the Raiders. And he called me the other day, he's like my age, and he said, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, actually, I'm cashing in my, my 401k, I'm cashing in my pension now, right, at 37, which is, you take a tremendous penalty if you do that. And he goes, and I'm opening up a gym. And and one, my first initial thought was, why would why would you do that? Like, I mean, the, the safer thing to do is keep the money in the four hundred one k. It's tax free. It's there when you retire. But it was interesting what he said. He is he said, I, I am, 
I'm literally forcing myself to succeed at this. Because if I don't, there's there's no basically there's no option. There's no parachute. There's no fallback plan. There's no nothing. So from an incentive standpoint, I got to make it. I have got to make this gym successful because there's no options. Because if I don't, then I've I mean, all my money is gone. All my savings is gone. I'll never get another loan. And that's it. So, again, maybe not the smartest thing to do, but I don't know, a lot of times you bet on yourself in life. It's it's usually uh, as long as you're motivated and you're you have your head on straight. Usually that works out for you. Betting yourself in life that's uh, that's a good thing. So look, I know, and I know if you're an XU fan, it's not a good thing. And I know people say, oh, he committed to the university, he should stay. Nah, man, I I, I know a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of friends walking around the earth right now that have college degrees that can't get a job. So I, I, the days of having that college degree. Aren't, aren't what they used to be. When I was young, when even before that, there were job companies that were lining up outside of your graduation, ready to sign you up to a job. The companies competing. We want you. No, we want you. We want you. Those days are over. I mean, people are walking around trying to find a job desperately. They got the degree. They got the credentials. They got the schooling. They've they've also got the debt for nothing. So if you're I don't care if Edmund Sumner has a degree or not. Whatever. You go to college to figure out what your career is going to be. Now, is it going to work out? Maybe not. And maybe it's a maybe he takes this humongous risk and he falls flat on his face. Well, I mean, from a you know from from a certain standpoint, he says, look, at least he at least he did it. At least he went for it. Shot for the moon. Maybe he missed. Maybe you learned something from that. Keep a positive attitude. You move on. But I don't. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and criticize Edmund Sumner and say it was the dumbest, dumbest decision in the world. I don't. I know it's the dumbest decision in the world. He he goes back, um, and and goes back to school, and things don't work out well with the knee, the knee injury. XU has a bad year. He just happens to not have a good year on the court. Now he never gets drafted. He only only you know when the right time to pull the trigger is, and you have to have faith that Edmund Sumner knows. That that now is apparently his time. The other thing I want to discuss is, and we were discussing this a little bit earlier, and that is, I, I would say loyalty in life is one of the things you you don't see very much. I mean, people are so wishy washy. People will sell somebody out for the, the second they can make a nickel off it. They'll, they'll they'll drop you like a bad habit, right? People will in a relationship in a in a marriage. If something isn't working out, or they think they got something better over here on over here on this side, they, they they'll they'll cut ties and they'll think about themselves and baby they're gone. And so again, you don't you don't see loyalty that much. But today we we saw loyalty with Mike Brown. I mean, he came out and was swinging, and and basically said, you know, look, he's sticking behind Adam Jones. He wants to give him a second chance. I mean, here's some of the quotes of what he said. He wanted to talk about. That is, he saw Adam Jones and his interaction with his daughter. Now, when she was born premature, da 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 da. And he just said, uh, "Long story short, I hope it all comes out right for him, for the family, and for us." I know there are critics. I understand, but that is the full answer, and that's all I have to say about it. So, Mike Brown, among many things. Now, I'm not. I'm not commenting on whether the decision to keep Adam Jones is the right one or not. It probably isn't, but. 
in a way, you admire the man's loyalty. Think of the, I mean, the amount of criticism as an NFL owner is tremendous that he's getting right now. I mean, the easy thing to do would say, Adam Jones gone, see you later, and, and go on with it. And players, by the way, they enjoy that kind of loyalty. Drake Kirkpatrick applauded Mike Brown today. Even Adam Jones on his social media account applauded Mike Brown for, for the loyalty. But players, players love that. Now, you could make the argument, too, since we're just talking here, that Mike Brown is loyal to a fault. You know, where, where some companies are too quick to cut ties and, you know, maybe if you're the Cleveland Browns and you never stick with a coach, you're, you're always finding a coach every two years because you can never stick with anybody, you have absolutely no loyalty. Maybe you say Mike Brown's loyal too much to a fault. Maybe he should look another direction for uh, from from uh, Marvin Lewis or he should cut ties with some of these people, some of these players a little bit more. You see the Patriots, man, they don't, they don't usually mess around. That the minute you're if you're not Tom Brady, you minute you get a little bit older or a little bit too expensive, bye bye, see ya. They're they're coming up with someone else. There's no there's no loyalty anywhere on that team. I don't know, it's just an interesting dynamic. I just thought it was interesting to see amidst a lot of criticism, yeah, a big powerful man like that's gonna stick to his guy. I don't know. All right, so uh, my time is coming gone tonight. I appreciate the show tomorrow. We got a big, big show. I got a uh, some folks from the uh, Cincinnati Police Academy coming in. I also have an undercover DEA agent coming in studio at 10 o'clock. Going to talk about the drug problem here in Cincinnati and all the ins and outs. That should be fascinating. But uh, I want to thank my producer, Brad Steen, for his great work. It's now time for America's Trucking Network with Steve Summers. Folks, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, 700 WLW. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.